Welcome to HR and Cocktails, brought to you by Prescott HR, home of unintimidated HR, the show for business owners and executives to learn more about all aspects of human resources with your host, Kimberly Prescott. Welcome to this edition of HR and Cocktails. Thank you so much for joining us. This is an off-cycle um, episodes. We are dealing with quite a crisis. COVID-19 is impacting employers, and I felt that it would be really important for us to just jump on and give employers some practical advice. This is going to be episode one of a two-part, um, just two parts of um, episodes of information, so I'm really excited for you to join us, and I am equally as excited to introduce my guest. Um, Ms. Aisha Adams. Um, she is a senior human resources um, professional that works for an international construction company. Um, Aisha, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Kimberly. So, Aisha, you know, we are dealing with so much. And can you just tell us very briefly, you know, just so that our um, listeners can understand kind of the scope of what you and your organization are dealing with, um, you know, just approximate size of your organization and where you all um, are as far as the footprint of your organization. Sure. So my organization is, it's a global organization, but the division that I work for, we have about 3,000 employees, um, and our complete U.S. division has around 11,000 employees. Um, And we um, have a unique challenge because our business um, is dealing with construction, and we're building um, important projects um, within the United States. So um, we have a lot of uh, varied concerns as a relates to our construction team members in the field as well as those individuals back in our offices. Absolutely, talking about your business is important, but, I mean, this is HR and Cocktails, and I completely forgot to say two things. First of all, this is HR and Cocktails, the social distancing edition. So we are on the (laughs) phone. We are not in person. Um, As a matter of fact, Aisha is in a completely different state than me. So we are very safe. Please don't worry about us and our social distancing. And the second thing is, is that usually we play a game of I declare war with the amazing (laughs) um, playing cards that my husband gave me with drinks on them. And we're not able to do that. However, Um, I think as we all are, I've been on social media probably more than I needed to um, over the last week. And so I saw a really funny um, meme about the quarantini. And so that is going to be our drink for this episode. Um, The quarantini, it is a martini that you drink by yourself. So I am going to (laughs) post that. (laughs) I'm going to post that on um, on our Instagram, HR and Cocktails. So feel free to partake of a quarantini with us. I will post that um, and um, as well as the other drink that we talk about um, today. So thank you again, Aisha. I'm really excited. And, you know, this particular um, episode, we are going to talk about um, really what this COVID-19 crisis is doing harm to businesses and what business owners and executives need to be thinking about from a business continuity perspective. Um, So I think the first thing that we might want to think about is, you know, businesses have, some of them have had to close because regulations are saying they have to close um, because, you know, states and local governments have really come in and said, hey, 
um, you can't continue to be open, all businesses of this type must close. And then there are some businesses that are still open. Um, from a legislative perspective, they can be open or they have to because they're first responders. But then there's employees that say, I don't feel safe. I don't want to continue to, for example, be in a drive through window because we can do carry out, but I don't want to be in a drive through window. Um, you know, when we think about that, there's a lot of implications um, to that because what do employers do in order for them to stay open? They have to have employees. If employees don't feel safe, can employers say, I'm going to discipline you, I'm going to terminate you because you don't feel safe coming into the office, you know, um, well, not the office, but into the workplace. You know, right. there's legislation that talks about that. So when we think about the National Labor Relations Act, the NLRA, um, you know, people get together and say, hey, I don't want to work in the drive through the window unless I have certain protective equipment. You know, that could be concerted protected activity. So, you know, what are your thoughts around some of the implications of employees having to continue to work, not as first responders, because I think they have a different responsibility, and I think they understand that responsibility, but when you apply to work for Chick-fil-A, you don't necessarily right. think you're going to be working through a pandemic, right? So, Absolutely. Right. <laughs> so what are your thoughts there? I think the first thing is employers need to kind of wear two hats during this, this unprecedented, you know, we've been using this word unprecedented a lot. Um, but it truly is. This is not something that I envision seeing in my lifetime. Um, and I think you have to wear two hats. You have to wear the hat, obviously, that this is still a business that we have to run. Um, and in order to pay people, we've got to make money. How do you balance that against being a human and being a person, right? Um, and so you need to try to figure out how to balance this person in the drive through window, in your example, um, and not feeling comfortable touching someone else, touching money, touching credit cards. And what are some things that you can do to get in front of that. Um, and so some of the things that it could be is just changing the way that you're doing business. Um, first, first off, also, I think you have to communicate to your employees to kind of get in front of the fact that they may all get together in some pr protected concerted activity, right? So I think that you have to communicate what it is you're trying to do um, and the implications and that their safety is first and foremost. Um, and what are some things that you can do to ease that? And then hear from them. Let them tell you what are some things that they will make that would make them feel more comfortable um, continuing to work in that environment. But at the end of the day, um, the right thing to do is not to terminate them. The right thing to do is not to discipline because they are concerned with their safety. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think that the in in this time, I truly believe that there's no such thing as over communication. So I completely agree that communicating setting expectations, and just being very clear. I think we can all speak to, I mean, I've never felt more love from random vendors that I've done business with in my life, right? I've gotten 100 right. emails that my safety is of their utmost concern, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's equally as important that employers have that type of communication as well. I think it really makes sense. And, you know, continuing to communicate, even if it. I don't know when we're going to open. I don't know what tomorrow is mm -hmm. going to hold, but we're thinking about you. Um, we are putting plans into place. Our executive team is still meeting by conference call every day to determine what our next steps are going to be, and we will continue to communicate with you as we know more. 
you really do, you can't allow people to be out on an island because at the end of the day, this is going to be over at some point Mm -hmm. in some Mm -hmm. form or fashion. We don't know what it's going to look like when it's over, right? But people are going to remember how they were treated in this moment. And what what message are you sending to people? Or did you send a message at all, right? Right, right. Um, so when, when we're talking about, um, you know, communication and, you know, part of it is now we have, we have groups of um, employers. We have employers that have businesses where they can allow people to work from home and work remotely. We have employers that have a group of people who they're not able to work remotely because their job was, you know, a a customer-facing job that doesn't allow them to work remotely. And then we have employers that have to have people coming in. What would you say um, to those employers, particularly that have the group of people who are able to work remotely? Um, What would you say about best practices for managing a remote workforce? Um, well, the first thing I can tell you from experience, because we do have a large population who can work remotely in support of our construction projects, um, and the first thing is, it's, <laughs> I think I'm going to continue to say being communicative, right, talking to your people. So the first thing I think you need to do is to get together some guidelines from working remotely and what your expectations are um, and, and keeping in check with your employees on some normal cadence, right, is that depending on the type of work that they do, is that a daily communication at the end of the day? Is that every couple of days? Is that at the end of the week? Whatever makes sense for your business. Um, But staying in communication, making sure that same touch point that you would have had if they were in front of you, you still continue to keep those checkpoints. Is that via Skype? You know, that doesn't necessarily have to be a phone call, but it could be in some other medium where you're you're doing those check-ins and those touch bases so that the employee feels like they're still um, receiving – the direction that they would have gotten, you know, otherwise. Um, so I think that that it's extremely important to do that and to make sure that they have the tools that they need to work remotely. So they've got proper VPN access, they've got proper laptop, um, WebEx communication, or whatever other systems that you may be using for remote work. That they've got everything that they need that so that they can they can still work um, effectively. Um, so I think those are some of the top things that you need to check in with them on. Um, just to make sure that they have the tools that they need in place. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that in my role as a consultant, because before I was a consultant, I was in corporate. So my perception of work from home was it was something that everybody could do at some point. And so right. now that I've been a consultant and worked with a variety of industries, I understand that, A, that's absolutely not the truth, but B, that there are a lot of, organizational cultures that actually um, don't look favorably um, at remote work. So they are don't have some of those processes in place, and they are not accustomed to what it looks like to work from home because in their mind, um, work is done in the office. And the only way right. I can determine if you're working is if I can see you. So let's put it into context in this time where, so I right now have a four, fourth grader, not a four-year-old, hallelujah, I'm, <laughs> she's not a four-year-old. I have a fourth grader. She's downstairs. She's doing work, right, school work, because <laughs> I got to jump in and out of, you know, doing a podcast, running a business, and being, you know, lunch lady and, you know, everything else. 
how do we help managers and employers understand that this is not a standard work from home situation because we're all home with kids. I fortunately only have one child. I don't have multiple. Um, so I'm only managing one person, right? So how right. do we help employers to understand this isn't the standard because most of us, when, when we create work from home um, agreements with people, it's very clear in those agreements, this is not a substitute for child care. You have you right. know, blah, 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 right? Right. But that's right. not true now. How do we manage mm-hmm. through that? I think you have to be flexible. Um, it, you know, in our environment, I have been on conference calls uh, all of last week, and a lot of them were video conference calls. And the flexibility, because like you said, this is not normal uh, work from home. You have to be okay with hearing a, a, your child in, a child in the background, a dog barking in the background, husband walking by. Um, all those things are happening because we have been kind of forced into um, this situation that we're in right now. And so that doesn't mean that someone isn't working. But, the, but an employer needs to understand that you are juggling several things right now, namely the children being at home and trying to homeschool them. So you have to have some flexibility to understand that the work will get done. And if you're not seeing the work getting done, then that's when the conversation needs to take place. What can I do to support you better? It's not necessarily a conversation of, you know, um, disciplining someone. It's what can I do to help you um, work through this better because I understand you have a lot of things that you're juggling that's just not, we're not accustomed to. So what are some things that we can take off the plate, give to someone else, juggle it a little bit so that, um, you know, the person can still get done what, they're de- what they need to get done. And the other thing is back to the, put the human hat on. You know, a lot of these leaders probably have children at home as well and just understanding that this is a lot to juggle and what can we um, do to help support our employees. So it's really about putting that human hat back on and understanding that this is just, to my favorite word of the day, unprecedented. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And one side note about all this new video conferencing, please make sure that the other people who are not on the call have on pants. That's the only request that I Absolutely. Make. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank you very you. much. Um, <laughs> That's, I think, the um, best takeaway of the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, very, very stressful. So, um, no, 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 I completely agree. And I think that goes to something that, you know, I think it was something that we really focused on and talked about probably about 10 years ago, but I think this needs to come back as a part of the conversation is EQ versus IQ. So emotional intelligence versus, you know, just being, you know, a smart individual and really being able to sense and understand when you need to be flexible, what that flexibility looks like, and the being a manager and adjusting your management style doesn't change with remote workers. So if you know that one individual always needed a little bit time, uh, more time, always needed a little bit more direction, always needed a little bit more management, that doesn't change when they're at home. As a matter of fact, those challenges are probably amplified. So it is going to be even more important that on top of flexibility that, you know, and understanding that managers are really putting together good work plans around what the deliverables are, when you expect these deliverables to happen, you know, while adding some flexibility to, you know, if you, you know, for example, were doing data entry and you had expectation of a certain amount of volume, that you may have to adjust that volume expectation knowing that people are managing certain things. 
but still setting some expectations so that you can manage to those expectations, um, it, you know, and making sure that you are really focusing on deliverables and not, well, what were you doing at this time? And I saw that your, you know, um, what what's the name of that um, it's not Skype. It's the other thing, Slack, that your Slack mm-hmm. was on yellow for 30 minutes. Right. Like, you know, it, what difference does it make, right? Did right. the work right. get done? Because now, I mean, because I can honestly say for myself, I work optimally between 9 p.m. and midnight. I really do. Right. Mm-hmm. I work mm-hmm. optimally during that time. And so if I'm not doing something customer-facing, please don't look at my Slack and see what my status is. Um, Absolutely. (laughs) Because it's probably going to say watching Judge Judy. Um, Absolutely. Um, So I think we just need to have, you know, a little bit of flexibility to your point. So what about, I mean, you know, so we talk about managing remote employees. We talked about giving flexibility and, you know, what are some of the legal implications? But what about, continuing the business because yeah we send some people home but you know we may not have been prepared for this so we may not have had vpns and we might be limping along trying to drop some (laughs) stuff into dropbox and you know everybody you know getting their you know you know uh, conferencing accounts and everything but really running a business is much larger than that there's it implications there's servers Mm -hmm. there's you know sales process and sales flows and, you know, marketing, how do you manage all of that? And if you didn't have a business continuity plan, how do you start one? What is is the business continuity plan? How do you do it? Who's involved? You know, how how do we give advice and guidance to executives as to how do you start that process and what do they need to think about? Yeah, I think the first thing you have to do is pull together your team, right? Um, all of those people that you just listed, you know, is it the sales VP or the sales director? Is it obviously uh, a member of executive leadership, your HR department, your IT department, your office manager? Do you have a head of security? Do you have a head of safety? I think I said safety, but all of these people who are integral to the business and who think back to who are the people that make the business tick and run. Those are the people that you need to get on this uh, business continuity team. So, uh, you know, it's not going to be a huge team, but those leads of those departments are the ones that you need to have in place. Um, For instance, like you talked about the IT, how do we keep these servers up? How do we get laptops out to people? Um, You know, do we need to have certain phones if you're in a call center environment and certain headsets, you know, what are some things that the IT department can help us get ramped up pretty quickly? So first off, I think you need your team. Um, and then you need to set those priorities. What are the things that we still need to get done to continue the business? What are the goals, the sales goals, or whatever goals that you may have? Um, what are the things that we need to do to keep the operation running? Um, figure out what those priorities are. Um, and then, once you do that, let's set up some time to quickly go through a run-through. We're in a you know, natural run-through right now because we didn't know this was going to happen. But if you don't have a plan, let's do a quick run-through. Let's look at some of the areas where we have deficiencies. Let's clear up those deficiencies. And then from there, it's, it's important that you quickly communicate to your employees what you're doing, that you have this business continuity team, and here are the things that we're working on, and here's where we need your help. Um, and here's what we're going to do. So you need to kind of go back to that whole communication and response. Um, 
letting people know things such as who to contact in an emergency. What if I come down with symptoms? Who do I reach out to? Just my manager? Are there other people? What do I do? Um, so those things need to be put in place. We also need um, some type of emergency response process, a call list to check in on people. You know, who's going to be responsible for that? And that's also why it's important that HR be a part of this because we're obviously human resources for a reason, and we've got that human resource aspect. But we can help walk this team through, like you talked about earlier, legal implications. You know, what are some things we need to think about, HIPAA, things that your normal uh, business executives may not be thinking about, right? So that's why we're here. Um, are there clients that you need to be reaching out to and, and engaging because you've got certain contracts that you have to, to you know, to, to take care of and you've got certain um, legal um, ramifications with contracts? You know, all these things are things you need to be thinking about and all the way through this process, be communicating back to your employees via email, via conference call, via WebEx, whatever you need to do to let them know where you are in the process and then keep that communication going. And one of the things that we implemented last week was something called a pulse survey. You know, once you get this continuity plan in place, let's go back and check how it's going. How are people feeling? Um, do they feel like they're being communicated to too often? Not enough? You know, those kinds of things are things that you, just some ideas of things that you can put in place. Absolutely. That's all very good information. And those are absolutely the key elements of a business continuity plan. And I think it's also important, too, to reiterate the once you have your team, until this is over, to make sure that that team is meeting regularly, um, whatever that frequency needs to be, if it's every other day, if it's once a week, um, that team needs to be touching bases because it would be highly unlikely in this fast-moving time because from this time last week, to today, things have changed five times around <laughs> what we're able to do, what we can't do, right. you know, what's what. Um, and so making sure that those groups are meeting because organizations are very, uh, the divisions, the responsibilities, everything is very interrelated. And no matter how we try to silo teams and departments, it's really not. I, I, I don't care how we try to call things a vertical or a silo or whatever. The mm -hmm. reality is that things that happen in one department have an impact on another. So that's why the team is important and making sure mm -hmm. that the team is meeting regularly so that any implications of a change in this department, their counterparts could say, oh, well, if you do that, that'll impact this. Let me right. make sure that I'm prepared and I communicate about that. Um, operating in, t in times of crisis in a silo is not a good practice. Yeah. Um, and I think also, if I may, I think also mm -hmm. the team has to understand the, um, the importance and the severity of the team that they're on and their, and their, their place on the team, and that this could be a 24-hour, you're on call right now. Um, and things, like you said, things are changing so rapidly. Something could happen overnight, and you need to have a call at 5 in the morning or you need to have a call at 10 o'clock at night, or whatever the case may be. So that team needs to understand that they are on call, um, and, and things may change on a dime. Um, and you may have to recalibrate everything that you thought you've done because it, it is rapidly changing. I think people need to give themselves um, room to be okay with the fact that none of us know exactly what tomorrow is going to hold as it relates to changes um, with this pandemic. Absolutely. I think that's a great point, and it can be tiring. Um, 
one of the things from an HR perspective, and I will, you know, speak to my uh, to my own experience. Um, last week was a bit overwhelming. Um, you know, speaking with a variety of clients, having to facilitate some layoffs um, and assessing our clients with some layoffs, having some difficult conversations, um, communicating to a group of people that potentially they may have been exposed um, at a meeting, um, and helping to craft that communication in a way where people wouldn't hopefully panic. I, I, I hit Friday afternoon, and I needed to I literally sign off. I put on social mm-hmm. media, I am signing off for the weekend. I needed to take a mental health break from all of it. And I think mm-hmm. it's important for um, all of us to really think about the impact that it's having to us above and beyond being in the house with hopefully the people that we love. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, uh, making sure that we are taking time as executives, as business leaders, and as human resources professionals, taking that time that we need for ourselves and pressing the reset button. And it's our job to stay up to date on what's going on. And with all of the information that we're receiving, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. And so really uh, being aware of what that impact is to you, being aware of that and taking that time away. The other thing is thinking about that exact same impact to our employees, the uncertainty of whether I'm going to have a job, when is my next paycheck, is there going to be a company for me to come back to. And one thing that I will say that is highly underutilized in most organizations is the employee assistance program Mm -hmm. and making sure that we are communicating about the EAP. What is it? How can you use it as a resource? Um, because this is a time where people are taking this information, internalizing it, and dealing with it very differently. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that we as leaders have the responsibility, and it's a heavy responsibility, and sometimes we feel the weight of it, of A, being calm, B, being that face, and that voice of reason, it's kind of like being a flight attendant, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. the flight attendant mm-hmm. doesn't panic no matter what's going on. Um, right. So we have to be that person and making sure that we're taking care of ourselves and that, uh, that we are practicing good mental health first aid and taking those mental health breaks when we need them and mm-hmm. also encouraging the same things of our employees and providing them and making sure that we put those resources in front of them because it was heavy for me last week and I just mm-hmm. had to take a step back and, um, you know, drink a bottle of wine, of course, and there you go. Um, take a step right, <laughs> take that step <laughs> back and make sure that when I came back at the beginning of this week that I was refreshed and that I was ready right. to go back into those conversations. What mm-hmm. feedback and advice would you give for, you know, really ways that, um, as leaders, as HR professionals, that we can provide that type of support to our management team because they're the ones that are kind of feeling a lot of the weight and how we can help provide them with resources to do the same thing for their teams. Yeah, I think a couple of things. One, I think that this uh, business continuity team needs to um, clearly outline how we're going to business and the guidelines. If you run into a case of someone having symptoms, how do you handle it? How do you, you know, conduct an investigation? Anything that you can do to give to the leadership team so that they don't have to 
do a lot of heavy lifting as far as uh, trying to think through how do I do this and how do I do it the right way. Like you talked about, this is a very um, heavy thing to, to, to have to handle. And we don't, we, if, as much as we can take off of their shoulders so that they can understand exactly what they're supposed to do, um, it's better for them. The other thing might seem like a small thing, but I think it's important, and I have been trying to practice this with every single person I interact with at our company. If I'm asking a simple question, um, I'm asking someone to do something for me, the first thing I do is check on them. How are you doing? Are you safe and well? That's that one thing um, I think that you can do to, to let people know that even as a, in a, as a member of leadership, somebody cares. And I'm not just throwing out, you know, a request. So just ask, just take that one time, no different from if you were in front of them and you say, good morning, or how are you doing today, or how was your weekend? Do those same things um, in this time just to, to just level set and let people know that you still care, because it's going to be very easy to just kind of get locked in to this um, situation that we're in and forget about the person on the other side. I think that's really great um, advice and feedback, and, you know, um, even if it's an email interaction, really us starting off genuinely asking how, you know, everyone is doing, you know, I hope that you and your family are safe and well, um, you know, and also making sure that they understand that we are a resource. And before we um, wrap up and get to the most important question of the day, um, <laughs> are, there any, are there any other things that you think HR needs to do to support the business um, during this crisis? I think, I think HR just has to continue to um, be aware of the changes and they're happening so rapidly and figuring out, um, you know, what are some things that you need to do to help support the business um, and just keeping those things that they're not thinking about top of mind. That's where we come in is what are those things that are people-related that could impact someone that they're just not seeing because they're so ingrained and in how do we keep this business going? How do we keep afloat? Just staying abreast of those things. And like you talked about, you know, making sure that you as an HR professional take that time to unplug as well because there's so much information coming at us. But that is our job to just, you know, keep a level head. Like you talked about the flight attendant um, analogy, keep a, keep a level head to support your organization, and we'll all get through this together. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Aisha. And before we wrap up, when you, as you finish up a day of being an HR superhero, what is in <laughs> your glass? Well, I right, Well, I will tell you, I change my favorite drink from time to time. And right now, my favorite drink is a bramble. Um, and okay. a bramble can be done either with gin, if you're a gin drinker, or right now my favorite is with whiskey. Um, <laughs> so um, okay. it's a lovely, lovely drink. If you like blueberries or blackberries, um, you want to go ahead and add that. It's really simple. It's just basically it's some, some Maker's Mark, a little fresh squeezed lemon juice, a little simple syrup, creme de mer, and blackberries. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, that and sounds very fancy. Okay, <laughs> that sounds very fancy. So what I will do is um, I will get the recipe for this. I will post it on our Instagram, um, or actually, Aisha can text me one, and I will post it on our Instagram so that you can see what it looks like. I will I still have to try it because I want to know what it tastes like. It sounds fabulous. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds similar to one of my favorite drinks. Um, which is um, whiskey, blackberry, um, mint, and ginger beer. 
Um, so mm. it sounds similar to that. It's very tasty. Um, so um, thank you so much, Aisha. I really appreciate it. Um, and we will um, follow up with all of our listeners soon with a Q&A um, that outlines some commonly asked questions that employers have about COVID-19 and their responsibilities. Thank you for joining on this episode of HR and Cocktails, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us this month on HR and Cocktails. Please make sure to visit our website at www.prescotthr.com where you can subscribe to the show. And while you're at it, if you're interested in learning more about our consulting services, please complete the contact form on the website. And don't forget to tell a friend about Prescott HR, home of unintimidated HR.